welcome. <laughs> welcome, you are listening to audio from the table. If you'd like to learn more about our community or donate to this ministry, please visit the tabletx.com. Grace and peace. Um, it's so good to be with you all. My name is Brett, and uh, yeah, it's a joy. A joy to be with you in this new year, and, um, and just to yeah, extend the welcome of Christ to you. Um, and as always, that includes those joining us online. Um, love y'all lots. And uh, especially anyone here tonight who is new. Um, we know just what it can be like to walk through those doors for the first time, and that can just, it can just be a lot. Um, so um, yeah, thank you so much for for being among us tonight. Um, you know, it is a new year, and so we've got a lot of, um, I don't know, we always kind of start the year with some, I don't know what to call them, special, special Sundays. I don't know, it's just unique Sundays where, um, like tonight is Story Sunday, and then next week is Baptism Sunday. And uh, then a few weeks later, we will be transitioning to our new, um, a new building, a new space that we're gonna be renting. Um, I think many of you know this, you got the text and the email. If you're on our list, you got it. If you didn't, you're like, what are you talking about? You should get on our list. I don't know. Maybe that's just a pastor saying you should. Um, if you know, but if you want at the end, you can, you know, scan the QR code and kind of get in the loop on these sorts of things. But um, we are, so it's, we're not going far or anything. It's just, we're going to be shifting to basically the other Methodist church in Saxe, which was our first choice because it's so close. And that, of course, is always the concern for a, you know, a, a community without a permanent home is like, oh my gosh, where are we going to go and be, you know? So it was, um, yeah, we're so, so grateful and very excited. Um, it's a great, yeah, a great thing. And as you can see, certain Sundays, it starts to get pretty full and we got the kiddos here and the kiddos there. And it's just, it's a, yeah, a tight space. So um, at any rate, we'll be kind of making that transition. That'll be the first Sunday in February, February 4th. Um, so you can stay in the loop um, on that. We'll, we'll keep you in the loop. Um, so tonight, like I mentioned, is Story Sunday. And uh, we have, you know, a real value here at the table for, um, for tracking people's stories. And I think some of that comes from, maybe one way to frame it is to think of like a uh, kind of a destination versus a journey mindset is sort of one metaphor that, that people use at times. So the idea of like, you know, um, a, a destination mindset tends to be like kind of the idea of arriving you know, sometimes it can be a very strong emphasis on, like, getting saved. You know, so everything's about getting saved. And the stories, of course, would be about people who got saved and their story getting saved, you know. Um, and by the way, I'm not saying that's, like, bad to, you know, I don't know, people to be saved. We're about that at the table. But it's, it's in, but what that can get to is sort of a destination mindset, you know. So it's about arriving. And then, and then what do you do once you're saved? Well, you just feel good that you're saved and, you know, um, instead of kind of a, a journey mindset which says we're just, we're growing. We're growing into the image of Christ, where we're constantly discovering new depths of what it means to fall in love with God, to, to become more yielded, to, to find those parts of our heart and minds that are like kind of broken or, or hurting, to find them slowly healed and transformed. So tonight um, will be just folks sharing, you know, their story, where they are on the journey, which means that it's probably not always like, you know, some neat, tidy ending, um, it's often, it's somewhat messy and, you know, we're all like in process on the journey. Um, but I do hope you can kind of, I don't know, find yourself in their story, um, that God, like, I don't know, brings some encouragement, 
um, to you as they, as they share. So um, without further ado, I want to bring up Rachel Engage Kell. Can you all give them a hand as they come forward? All right. You can sit in the middle. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. The, the honored physician. You're good. Um, so I'm really excited. Actually, both we have um, two couples kind of sharing tonight. Both are fairly new to the table. So um, Rachel and Gage, maybe you could start off sharing just, you know, background, like, who, who are you? What were those formative years, you know, like as you were kind of growing up? And um, if kind of faith was like a part of that, what, you know, what did that look like? What was that kind of background? Um, so kind of bring us into the loop on kind of who you are and, and things of that nature. So. Yeah, so uh, we moved to Garland about what, seven months ago now. And um, yeah, so like just a brief background for me was like 10 years ago. Uh, I was like, felt this like calling into ministry is like the lingo we used where I felt like God wanted me to be a pastor. And, um, my parents were both atheists, uh, adamantly. And so I was like really processing through like, what does that mean for me? Um, and, uh, I'm very, uh, all of it was rooted in like the non-denom, like mega church background. And so, um, I, I would say that's like my, my primary background. I, I was thinking critically about things, but I was also really excited about like all the themes, which is funny that like a 14 year old is like, ah, like grace and honor and fatherhood. And I'm about these things. <laughs> um, yeah, you... yeah. Oh, and also we've been married for three and a half years, we met at Dallas Baptist University, which is funny. But um, so uh, for me, I, um, if you look at me 10 years ago, I am the daughter of a Southern Baptist pastor. <laughs> um, and so, um, but I grew up with really wonderful, loving parents. My, my parents are really kind wonderful people. Um, they're not affirming, and, and the church I grew up in was not affirming, um, but do well on lots of other fronts. Um, and so um, for me, 10 years ago, I was, uh, you know, the classic church girl, no cursing, no drinking, very modest, you know, all those things. Uh, the idea We were worried. Yes, worried. I know you were. Um, <laughs> just like the ideal church kid for sure, but was also battling... Um, some pretty severe mental health issues. I have diagnosed obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, and so that makes things difficult sometimes. Um, and other mental health things uh, that made it really difficult, but I really wanted to know and love Jesus. But since I was a kid, it's been really difficult for me because the love that I was shown at home was not always reflected in the doctrine of the, the Baptist church, I felt like. And so I... I remember as a kid asking my dad, like, hey, why can't we let people be gay? What's the, what's the, why aren't we allowing this? Like, I feel like Jesus would be on board with this and always getting, you know, a, a kind response of like, you know, this just isn't what's in the Bible, but it's always bothered me since I was a kid. So that's kind of my faith background. Yeah. So eventually, I mean, you can kind of even hear in the ending there of certain things started to shift mm -hmm. for y'all, like when did that happen? Was it kind of a, a moment? Was it sort of the accumulation of things over time where 
you know, maybe little moments like you just described, mm -hmm. like what, what was it that started to, to shift you into, you know, kind of call it what you want, kind of mm -hmm. deconstruction or, or some, some sort of process where you begin to question things? For me, um, I think it really, I think I couldn't sit with the, um, I don't know what word to use, like dissonance that I felt with the Jesus that I knew and then what I saw other people representing Christ as, I think beginning with like the 2016 election, um, I was a senior in high school and was like, these people who taught my Sunday school classes are being super hateful on Facebook right now. I don't like that. Um, and so that kind of started the seeds for it for me. But then I went to DBU um, and, you know, you just kind of have to be like a little, you know, I was just a little progressive um, in certain things, um, but, you know, like diet progressive. Um, and, uh, thought women could talk. Yeah, I was like, oh, women should be allowed to speak sometimes. And, and so, so I was like a little progressive, but it wasn't, it wasn't enough. And then in 2020, you know, another pivotal year, um, seeing George Floyd killed and the way that the church responded was heartbreaking to me. Um, and uh, so for me, it just, it kind of set me on this like three and a half year spiral of being like, I don't even know if God is real because we cannot be talking about the same God if the hateful things that these people that I grew up with were posting, um, I, I just felt like, okay, then there must be no God, which makes things a little difficult when you're the daughter of a pastor and also married to someone who wants to be a pastor. So uh, wrestled with that for a while, but. Yeah, mine was, um, I would say your story is one of like compassion and love. Mine was very like, mental and intellectual where I, um over time there was just like pieces and I did like all the the church things you know like I was kind of like a success story for the church it was like this guy comes from like a bunch of atheists and like he he gets it and so like um and so you know it, it starts with my mom becoming a Christian she became a Christian when I was in high school and but she was not interested in being at church um just like with her past, and she's like a single adult, um, she had a lot of difficulty like reconciling, if I have, have experienced these things, what will these people treat me like? And I think that's, I'd say that's the first domino that falls. And then um, I get to Bible college, and you know, we're reading scripture together, and I would just have questions about things. And thought everybody else was on the same page as me, being like, hey, what's going on with this, right? And, like, just being met with, like, kind of animosity. And then um, in college, I was part of an organization that had a lot of um, guys in it who, I mean, just, like, the, the verbiage we would use is, like, they struggled with same-sex attraction. And um, there was no questioning whether like what we believed on that and there were a lot of like really close friendships with those guys um who were you know I, I remember one of my friends telling me like his whole faith for 18 years had just been about not being gay and I remember I think uh, I was a junior in college and I think that was like the real first nail in the coffin where I was like man what are we doing here like what what does it say about God if this is true? And, um, but I kept it to myself. Like, I kept that thought pattern. Because my thought was, like, who am I going to share this with? Like, I can't even ask, like, what do we think about Genesis 1, guys? There's, like, something weird that happens right here without kind of being, like, 
outcasted a little bit. And I think, like, there was a, there was a lot of heartbreak there about, like, uh, my relationship with the church being very, like, I've done all the right things. I've said all the right things. I'm, like, friends with the right people. I'm here every weekend serving for three services. And I can't ask a question. And um, I think over time, uh, you know, 2020 hits. Um, George Floyd is killed. I'm reading, like, a lot of um, alternative, I guess, theology books where it's, like, uh, James Cone and, you know, not white evangelical theologians. And I start feeling, like, comfort that other people think like I do. I'm not just crazy. And um, I think that is really what led me to being here. Yeah. Was, so, so there you all are. You're kind of asking these questions. It's creating that dissonance. Um, how was it kind of, like, maybe thinking of, like, some of your lowest moments, like, or most challenging in terms of you're walking that out, maybe relationships in your life, you know, that you really valued. All of a sudden, there's, like, tension. Could you maybe just talk for a minute about maybe a low moment or two where it's just sort of like you, you know, there's, I don't know, consequences to this, to these questions, to this journey? You know? Yeah, well, mine is, like, very coded in loneliness where, like, I felt like all of a sudden I couldn't talk to my friends about things and, um, or, or, like, my my dad specifically. Um, I mean, even, like, in our marriage, it was, like, Rachel's dealing with something that is very, like, heart-wrenching, specifically because, like, it's also about your background and your hometown. Um, and so it was a little bit, like, we're both struggling with this, but we're struggling with it for different, like, from different angles. And so I, I did not personally have a hard time with God, Um I had a hard time with, like, the institution of church and really resonating with a lot of people who are, who've been frustrated for ever, I guess, um, especially knowing, like, the history of our country and our church here. And I was meeting uh, Christians from other countries who were like, yeah, American Christians are kind of crazy. And I was like, awesome. Like, maybe I should move to, like, India, I guess. Like, um, for me... I think it really, like I said, began in that year of 2020. Um, we were supposed to get married in April of 2020, which is super fun. Um, and so we had to cancel our wedding. And so I was super devastated. But then on top of that, there was a lot of political unrest, of course, in the world. And Gage and I were very clearly on one side. And it felt like everyone I knew who was a Christian was somewhere else. And so I was devastated at that. Um, and, you know, also dealing with OCD, <laughs> it's not a fun time to be in a pandemic. Um, and so all these things, I felt like God couldn't be here, couldn't be present. And so it, it culminated in me attempting to take my life in June of 2020. Um, and thankfully that didn't take, and I'm so grateful to God for that. Um, but that was a really low point, um, a really dark time. And it, it, again, it sent me on like a three and a half year spiral of being like, I don't think God's real. I can't, I can't have anything to do with this. So there you are in kind of those low moments. What what was the process to, I don't know if it was, you know, more recent or farther back that you, you started to, I don't know, find a, a path forward or sense some grace from God in the midst of it? And in other words, kind of catch us up a little bit to today and, and where you you are today without feeling necessarily to put a bow on it. You know, like, and now everything's perfect. But just, you know, where, where are you? Um, how would you describe it and how'd you get here? 
So we, after that, you know, it was during the pandemic that first year, we didn't really, I mean, we went to church some, there was a different church in the area. We didn't go to um, my dad's church. We just went to a different church, but it was very easy to just not go to church because nobody was keeping track. Um, And so we tried that. Then we moved to the Fort Worth area, uh, went to a church there for a while, but I just always, again, felt it in my soul, like something is not right for me, like in my relationship with God. I cannot, I can't connect with this version of God that so many people seem to be content with, who is not inclusive. And, you know, for background, I'm a special education teacher. And so, and I've known I've wanted to do that since I was 11 years old. And so inclusivity is the biggest part of my life. It's one of the most important things to me. And so since I was a kid, I've been like, we're not including everybody. Not everybody's welcome here. And so going to a church, any church felt really uncomfortable. And so finally, when we moved to Garland, we were planning on going to another church in the area, but we, we moved here and I was like, I can't do it anymore. I have to be affirming. I can't, like my, my stomach hurts. Um, and we were both kind of already there, but it wasn't like Gage said, something you could really publicly talk about because if Gage were to come out and say, you know, I'm affirming, it would be difficult for him to find a, a pastoring job at a lot of churches. And so it just kind of felt like something I had to keep to myself, but we got to this point where it was like, this is wrong. We need to do the right thing. Um, and so we found the table and I cannot put into words how healing it has been for my soul. Like, I feel like I'm finally able to encounter the God that I have known and searched for my whole life. Like it has changed my life. And I mean that, like, I've never been this excited to go to church and I've been to church every Sunday and Wednesday since I was a newborn. Um, and so, um, I feel like for me, I've been, I've finally been able to, to love and accept people fully the way that God has always been trying to teach me. And then also on my own journey of accepting that I am bisexual, like looking through that lens of, of being able to, you know, which is also a difficult thing, being already married to a man, again, having a, a pastor for a father, but he's really kind about it. Um, but it's just like, what do I do with this? And it's been a really healing tool to be radically accepting here and then be radically accepting with myself Um, and being able to look back on all these really painful childhood experiences and, and experiences in my adolescence and understand why I felt that way. And I'm just... I know so much of that, of course, comes from therapy, shout out therapy, Um, but, um, and medication, but also like the ability to really meet God again um, has been something I can't even explain it. It has healed so much within me. It's healed my faith. It's healed my belief in God. It's healed my self-image, being able to fully accept who God made me to be. Yeah, I think um, as we were like in that uh, I guess early parts of our marriage, and we were <clears throat> kind of casually attending church. Um, you know, it, it um, there were just like subtle things, like you know, we. I think a lot of people here have experienced this thing where you know you're at church, you're kind of sitting in the back, so you're kind of like, uh, I don't know if I'm bought into this yet. And then the pastor says something, and there's just like a like a wincing that happens, or like a oh gosh. That's tough. Everyone here knows so much from every Sunday. Here. Here. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, amen. I'm like, amen. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Um, I remember um, a pastor of ours who was like against, or I guess pro, um, having like more 
things in control for, you know, preventing anyone from getting guns. And he wouldn't say anything on Sunday. And I think that was like the first, I think that was like the kick in the pants for me where I was like, all right, the guy, you know, going back to being 15 and the themes of Christianity really drawing me in, it was also the themes that were actually shown on every Sunday that drew me out. So it was the themes that we hear about, you know, joy and grace and love. But what I was seeing was the common theme was like, um, masking, pretending to be something you're not, even for people who, like, who, you know, what they're masking is, like, depression or things where you would hope that a place like the church would be where they could let that down. Um, and so I, I think the plan was when we moved to Ghana to go to different churches to, like, try things out. And, um, you know, for a while now, I'd been able to be, like, personally affirming, like, to my friends and to, you know, basically, like, a quiet supporter. And I think the fear in me was, you know, I think our second or third Sunday here, you said something like, you know, I don't think they would have me back. And, like, I I laughed, so I was, like, the only person who, like, was cackling. Like, I... I <laughs> Because, like, I really fully resonate with the, um, it's not only that they wouldn't have me back, it's, like, that um, I'll be, like, blacklisted. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was, like, the idea that, you know, what they would say is open-handed theology, right? Like, we think it's okay to think differently about these things. Um, And I was always really confused by, like, the actual response if I took that seriously. And so Rachel's first Sunday here was like, she's skipping in, like having like the time of her life, like everything like connects. It's like instant for her. Where like, she like showed up being like, I don't know if God is real. Like walks in is like, this is awesome. God is real. Um, while I'm like shaking with anxiety, like, oh no. <laughs> um, I like have to stand on this now. Like I can't casually. And you know, I think it took a couple weeks of like, the anxiety, like, disappearing. I think it really was because, like, talking to people and, you know, like, getting more involved here, seeing, like, a lot of the things that I was hoping for in the church for my whole life, like, actually being real. And, you know, like, uh, the, the phrase that I'm sure everyone has heard is, like, there's no perfect church. Um, there's so much hope for me in, like, the people in this room of, like, if something is messy of it getting figured out and fixed. Beautifully said. Um, I wanted to kind of close out with, could you share maybe some encouragement? Like if someone is resonating with, you know, some aspect of your story and like, um, what would you say to them? You know? I think for me, if you're coming from the realm of like, I'm not even sure if God is real. um, I would encourage you to be comfortable with those moments. Um, because for me, growing up in the environment I grew up in, it was all, we were told like, it's okay to ask questions. But then also it's like, when you ask questions, it has a weight to it. Like he was talking about, it's like, I'm not sure if God is real. It's like, okay, well now you can't serve on this team anymore. I, th- I think I'm affirming, well, now you can't work with kids anymore. You know, it's, it has a weight to it. And learning to be comfortable with, I don't know how I feel about this. 
I have seen God show up in that. I mean, even for example, tonight, like, you know, the first time we came here, I wept because I, I was so, like he said, I was so excited to be, to, I haven't been able to sing, you know, cause anytime I go home to my hometown, I go to church with my family. Um, but I haven't been able to sing in a worship service um, for years because I don't feel like the people I'm around really mean it. And it makes them, I'm like, mm, I don't trust this. Um, but here I was looking around and like, we, you know, like we are talking about the same God and it was so exciting to me. And then even tonight, like seeing a moment from God for us, like when we got married, um, the song that we sang uh, was build my life. And I remember singing that uh, as our worship song on our wedding day when there was like 10 people there because we had a COVID wedding um, and saying like, I want to build my life on your love. That was what was important to me um, is I, I'm not worried about the doctrine of it all. I just want to build my life on your love. And to hear that again was like such a reminder of the goodness of God and the, the kindness of God that like when you're looking for him, he's present and he's real um, and to not be discouraged if you're not there yet. Yeah, I think if, if you are like me and your struggle is with the church as like an institution, um, I would encourage you, I think um, a lot of like American white evangelism has like kind of changed or at least like informed a lot of how we view church as like a whole. Um, I was really encouraged by the stories of people who, who are not like me, who don't look like me, who don't have the same background as me. And to see how beautiful the church is to other people groups, um, yeah, yeah, I think that was the best thing for me. Y'all, thank you so much for sharing. Can you give them a hand? All right. Next is Suzanne Vogt and Kat Elliott. There they are. Y'all give them a hand as they come forward. All right. So uh, for those who don't know, Kat, Suzanne, and um, thank you so much for sharing and um, yeah, being with us. So maybe um, start off with... Uh, just some of that background, you know, how were you raised and was faith involved? If so, what was that like? Um, yeah, give us a, a little background. Um, yeah, like like Brett said, I'm Suzanne and this is my wife, Kat, and we've been married for 28 years, just to give a little background. And we have three grown children and one grandchild and uh, we're very proud of all of them. And um, it, uh, for me, growing up, I, I grew up Catholic, but we were the only go on church, uh, Easter, Christmas. We didn't go to church. Uh, it wasn't part of my family. Uh, so I didn't become involved in a church until an, I was an adult. I was a single mom, and um, a co-worker, a co-teacher said, hey, bring your kids to vacation Bible school at the local United Methodist Church. And I was like, sure, okay, you know, and I got involved then. And uh, that, that's, my, that's my background. That. I'm, uh, I'm a little different. I grew up in a very conservative church. Um, I was there and working in the church uh, all the time as a teenager 
especially um, got very involved. And um, I'm very grateful to the love that I had growing up and for the knowledge that I gained of the Bible. And, um, but I also knew uh, when I became a, a teen or preteen, um, I realized my sexual orientation and I knew that I would not be accepted in this church. So I left the church for many, many years. I left the church before the church could reject me. And I, I was gone away for many, many years. So um, at some point, I know much of your story kind of centers around church and, um, or at least aspects of it. And so I'm wondering what kind of led you back and, and then tell us a little bit about there's, you know, there was a church that you really poured your kind of much of your life into. Um, and there was some beautiful moments there and there was some really heartbreaking stuff too. kind of share a little bit of that, that story. Okay. So when we met, um, I was involved in the local United Methodist Church and, and Kat came along and, uh, then we moved and we changed jobs and changed school districts and, uh, we ended up in Roy City. So, we decided, well, why don't we just try the United Methodist Church in Roy City? So we started attending there with, at the time, we just had the, our two children. Uh, Sarah wasn't, we didn't have her yet. So we went to the church there in Roy City. The first time we walked in the door, um, there was a, a pastor there, and she, she saw us, and she said, Oh, Lord, what have you brought me? And she, she, she then took her Bible and read scriptures and studied. And then she embraced us. And she loved us. And she invited us and included us. And we became really involved. Um, Suzanne actually became the choir director for a little while, an interim choir director. And... Um, Jesse, I became the skit lady. <laughs> and, you know, we, we became very involved. And um, we had a couple of really good years. And then, um, as the United Methodist Church does, um, they move pastors quite often. And they moved her. And then we got another pastor who did not love us, who did not embrace us or include us. And was very instrumental in having her fired for being a choir director. Um, that was the, hurt, the, the most hurtful thing that ever happened at this church was her being fired as being a choir director. Um, yes. And the church behind closed doors, told, and then, but they outed us, and we had never came out. I mean, it's not that we were ashamed of it or anything. It just wasn't. We just didn't have, you know, we just figured people figured it out, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we were so involved that um, and accepted that way. But um, one thing about the Reverend Betty before is um, she became our spiritual mentor, um, and we're still in touch with her today. But so um, I have to have notes because that's how I am. <laughs> um, so 
we went ahead and stayed. Even though that was very hurtful, that was the most hurtful thing for us, we stayed and we kept working and we kept being involved. And we thought, well, maybe we'll make a difference. Maybe we'll change some minds. Maybe we'll change some hearts. This is the United Methodist, right? Open hearts, open heart, minds, open doors. Uh, and they were trying to move to inclusivity. Um, but we didn't realize that we were being, it was harmful to our children by staying. And it was harmful to us, really, as a whole. Um, then, so then, you know, then we had that pastor, and then it was a roller coaster up and down of being accepted, not being accepted, and, and, and having some good years and not having some good years. And then, um, and then uh, we had a trauma in our church, and they moved a pastor there to help us through that trauma, uh, Reverend Ann Willett, and she's also one of our spiritual mentors still. And she was there for five years and a lot of good stuff. I mean, we really became involved. I really did a lot of skits. Uh, <laughs> I have to keep on with that one. I, I, I really resonated with that one, you said. But um, so we had some good years. She baptized our daughter. So Sarah, and Sarah growing up had some good years. So we're very grateful for that. Um, and then when, so good years with, with Reverend uh, Pastor Ann. And then we had a couple of more good years after they moved her. And then in 2016, they moved a pastor there that was um, very conservative. And I could, we could already kind of tell that this pastor was leading the way for um, this United Methodist to split into Methodist. And let me just explain something really, really quickly. Um, they did do disaffiliation. They did vote each congregation. If they voted to disaffiliate, they dropped United out of their name. If they, if they did not, they're, then they're moving toward inclusivity still, but they're not there yet. But they're moving that way. They're wanting that, and they are United Methodists. So the building that we're worshiping in is a United Methodist, and the building that we're moving to is a United Methodist. That means they're, move, they're trying to move towards inclusivity. Um, I just didn't want to cause any confusion there on... yeah. So, so we had the very conservative pastor, and the disaffiliation process happened. And it was it was 2019 when it, uh, I had an aha of this is the beginning of the end. I, I just knew it. And then we we knew Don Jacobs in Roy City. He's back there, and he mentioned the table. And I kind of put that just because I I was gonna we were gonna stick it out to the end. I, I, as hard as that was, we just wanted to stick it out to the end. So, But I knew about the table in 2019, and then COVID and all that happened. So we just worshiped online here and there. We went to a lot of different denominations online. We went to a lot of United Methodist churches, and the, we looked at the table. And, you know, it just I wasn't didn't connect. Online was not, there's no, there's no connection there. I already didn't have connection as a child. So I, it, it was, there was just no connection. So, but the, the, the 2022 was the disaffiliation vote. And 
our Reverend Pastor Ann recommended we go and visit the spaces at the church before the day of the vote to tell to have our closure and say goodbye. And uh, so, sorry. So we went to the youth room first with Sarah, and we just sat there, and that was hard. It was very painful because we did a lot of things with the youth. And then we went to our Sunday school room, and a lot of good discussion. Great, that was a great Sunday school class. And we went to the fellowship hall, and that was a lot of good things there. And then when we walked into the sanctuary for the vote, the most unpleasant, the place where you're supposed to feel sanctuary, the san it was horrible. I felt horrible. And we, the vote happened. It was 90% 90, 90 to leave, and that was, that was the vote was the end because we heard so many horrible things about our family during that process. People we'd been worshiping with for 20 plus years. It was horrible. It was horrible. We heard we were being we were being compared to things that you should or you shouldn't be compared to. And all we wanted was just to worship. That's all we wanted. That's all we remember. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That um what were some of the so there you are in that moment, and then you walk away, and you know, like, okay, this is the end for us. We're not going to be able to continue there. What were the feelings? Um, hurt and anger, grief and tears, kind of disbelieving um, that this happened. We'd never experienced discrimination in church. And, oh. Oh, we had never, I'm sorry, we had never experienced discrimination in church. And uh, the, it was almost like I felt like there was a waste, and I don't, and then I heard the song a while ago, and I just, I couldn't even sing it, where it says nothing is wasted. And I thought that those 20 years were, could not have been wasted, but I felt like they were wasted. Mm -hmm. It was just a wasted time, waste of, they took our children, our tithe, our time, our heart, our whatever and they used it mm -hmm. and and I know we don't go to church for the people but when that we're to go to church for God I know that but that's not that's but yeah we walked yeah. away we walked away from that yeah so um you decide to leave and I know this is all still pretty you know fresh and raw I mean we're just at the beginning of 2024 and you're talking you know kind of the latest 2022 so it's not like you know 10 years ago we went through this and now this is still pretty raw. So what are the, how are you doing now? You know, like what's, what's the, obviously you're here at the table. Um, again, without feeling need to put a bow on it, have there been kind of moments of grace? Um, what would have been some of those, those kinds of moments as you've, you know, continued the journey? Well, first of all, <clears throat> since we came here, <laughs> since we came here, we've, we've been here, um, every week, you know, um, it's been wonderful, the people, the the affirming, um, the love. You can just feel the love. Um, one of the, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, one, uh, we we found out later, too, that some of the youth in our church that we were attending in Roy City knew that they were okay to be LGBTQ because we kept going. So that was another, that was a... a, a that was a, a hopeful thing to find out. Yeah, and nothing's that, been wasted. That it hasn't been wasted, even though I felt that, yes. And, and then, in, I guess in September of this past year, Kat said, oh, I saw a post that 
Sally Gary is going to be speaking at the table, you know, tell her story about being Christian and in the LGBTQ community. And she said, let's go. And I was like, okay. I, really, I didn't mean, I don't mean to surprise that, but I was like, okay, sure, let's go. And we've been every Sunday since, except for a couple that we've missed. And so we've enjoyed the, it, it I'm, I'm not healed, but I'm in the, it's, I, I feel the yeah. process. I feel it. Um, did you have anything else? I don't think I did. I don't think so. Okay, then, um, kind of, uh, what encouragement? You know, for there's obviously, I'm sure, folks connecting with your story and the feeling of investing so much in a community only for it to at least feel wasted. Um, what what input, perspective would you or encouragement would you offer them? Uh, first of all, something that came to my mind in the night last night because I I couldn't sleep was you can't. It's not something you're just going to get over. Because we've had family or people say, oh, you'll, you'll, get, you'll get over it. You're not going to just get over it. You don't just get over it. It takes a lot of time. And even between Kat and I, her time is different than my time. And we're, we're realizing that she might be ready to do something and I'm not. So the time. And just... Uh, the personal family. Yeah, each, each of us. Each of us has, their, has our own time. There was one more thing I was going to say. Oh, and that questions... Please ask questions. Questions are okay. Because I never, I grew up thinking questions were not okay, not just because I, did, I didn't grow up in church, but in my family, questions were not okay. So the questions are okay. I would just say pray and, and continue to study the word, his word. Um, surround yourself with positive people. And with discussion groups or support groups or whatever you need to be able to get things out, um, just and just um, and that's it. Yeah, and that's the discussion groups. Is how we met and got to know Don Je Don Don Jacobs a little better. Was we started a discussion group in Royce City, and he joined. So that's that's where this started. Yeah, you never know how God will bring people into that you need into your life um, through those kinds of connections. And yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Can you all give them a hand? Thank you, Grant. Oh, so good. Every year just fills my heart. Like, yeah. And thank you, um, Gage and Rachel. Thank you, Susanna Cat, just for sharing. You can you can imagine it takes a lot of courage to get up here and and share. I, I intentionally asked them to share, you know, a few levels deeper than maybe you might normally hear, and um, and they've done that, and it's it's really powerful. And um, man, what a work God's doing in in them. And uh, yeah, and I hope you did see the connections, you know. Those little moments that where it intersects with your story or feelings that they named that you have felt. Uh, man, take some time to reflect on that and let God um, speak to you uh, in those ways and places. So um, we are going to take communion now. And uh, as we come to the table of the Lord, you know, each of us brings our own stories and uh, maybe you're here tonight and you're in like a hallelujah, praise the Lord kind of mountaintop moment. Uh, maybe you are in like the lowest of lows. You resonated with all the low moments in their stories, you know, and uh, or maybe somewhere in between. Um, no matter where you are, 
just know that Christ is here and present and seeks to meet with you. Thank you.